Hi, yes, we're recording. Uh, welcome out to Arrogance of the Jedi. Wow, this is a full house. Good to have you all here. Uh, I'm Brian Larson. I am the founder of the Tashi Station blog and podcast network, uh, host of way too many podcasts. Uh, you can find them all at TashiStation.net. Um, and uh, just real quick, I want to go through down the line and introduce uh, our panelists here, and we'll uh, start at the end over there and work our way back. Hi, I'm Kay. Uh, I'm a editor at Fangirl Blog and the host of Hyperspace Theories, a podcast about storytelling in Star Wars. Uh, I'm Lindsay Seep. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Get it, get it on the mics. Shut the gains turned way game. down on the mixer. Like, get up, like, get up right, right up here. Okay. Get it right in there. Hi. Hold my dress. Hi, I'm Kay. I'm an editor at Fangirl Blog and a host of Hyperspace Theories. It's a podcast about storytelling with Star Wars. I'm Lindsay Seapock. I am the owner and editor of When Nerds Attack, and we're not and When Nerds Attack podcast. And I am obviously a Hux aficionado. <laughs> can can you hear Can you hear me now? Just oh really? Loudly. Can Use you your hear Hux me now? Voice. I'm sorry, Hux. You're gonna need to eat the scenery here. Just get really. I will there. eat the mic. <laughs> go for it. Can there you, you go. hear me now? Good. There you, go. there, you just gotta hold it right up. Hello, I'm Natalie Sloggett. I'm a co-host on the Sapphic Skywalkers podcast and also the Padme Amidala podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm also a just huge prequels fan, so I'm excited to talk about the rise and fall of the Jedi. Okay, so we're just gonna dive right into, into things here. I will say we are gonna open up. Wait, who are you? I already introduced myself. Oh, I'm sorry. I was not paying attention. It was not about me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, General Hugs. You're so in character. Uh, okay. Uh, so I am going to say we are going to open up uh, the microphone there in the center for questions about halfway through. Uh, so please don't shout at us. We'll give you an opportunity to talk to us. Um, let's start at the top here. Uh, when we were talking about this uh, panel before the con, uh, Kay, you... <laughs> You brought this up, and I think it is a good place to start, but let's talk about how the Jedi were constructed, like uh, an overview of their training, how the Order was formed, and how people were brought into it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that, you know, the Jedi went and basically took people's children from them, and, the, you know, people were like, sure, take them. They'll Maybe they'll have a better life, but, you know, it depends on the situation. Um, so I think there's a little bit of inherent arrogance in this that you could just go around the galaxy taking people's children and, uh, and, and saying this is the life path you're going to have. That's kind of like a really early time in your life to make that life decision. So yeah, we have the children, then they are trained in groups, and then they are assigned as a Padawan, and then they go through the trials and become Jedi Knight, and then maybe a Jedi Master. And then there's all these specializations where people are focusing on just one area, like our Jedi Librarian. And I think it's very uh, important to point out that we at the First Order <laughs> formed the Stormtrooper program after the Jedi Order. We figured out we liked their program so much that we took it for their own. So basically, the Jedi are the reason that the First Order Stormtrooper program exists. There's one for y'all to chew Ouch. over. Jedi. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, I don't want to bring up too much legends, um, but I think please do. Yeah, <laughs> you, you got the but right audience for it, that. Currently, there's a big void in terms of old Republic um, stuff for the new canon, which I'm excited to be filled. I don't think it needs to be exactly the same as it was, but um, we see that there was a big evolution. There was just this colony of people who were like, "Wow, we found this really amazing source of power, and we are on this really amazing Force-sensitive planet, and we're going to live here with our families and learn about it." And then somehow, as it expands. It um, turned into something a bit more, you know, that didn't foster as much uh, healthy, you know, uh, like connection and ice. And it, yeah, generated isolation. So it didn't start exactly as a conditioning program, I guess. Although a it could be viewed as a conditioning program, which is a little frightening. And one thing that we can immediately look at um, is the treatment of Anakin when he was brought into the Jedi Order. And the would you view what happened there as a lack of compassion that they took him, they brought him into the Jedi Order, but they told him to essentially just deal with the fact that his mother was still in slavery? and not do anything about it. Well, and then also the fact that, you know, they originally wanted to reject him because they sent so much anger in him. And I think that's interesting that, you know, you'd be like, oh, this person has force powers and they're really angry. We're gonna just let them loose in the world <laughs> without, like, teaching them how to harness that and, and you know, maybe, maybe deal with their anger in a better way. I maybe think that was a little scary. Invest in some better therapy? Yeah. <laughs> Because we see Yoda try to give uh, Anakin a little therapy session in Revenge of the Sith, and it's basically like, uh, I don't care that you <laughs> care about people, you just need to let it go, and I'm not going to tell you how, but you need to do that. So, um, yeah, I think, it, yeah, isolation, like forcing each Jedi into isolation, both emotionally and with the relationships around them is really the poor evolution well, of and I mean, structure. Especially, like, children don't work that way children teenagers especially when they're going through puberty of all things like don't work that way and while you know you're not allowed to foster you know certain sorts of relationships and you're not allowed to explore yourself in certain ways within the jedi order it causes other problems and latent issues to show up like obviously like anakin doesn't know how to show his emotions towards Padme in a very uh, <laughs> great way in the beginning. <laughs> Teen monk. Yeah, Teen monk trying it's because to he, for the first time. you don't learn that. You're told to repress that and and follow these Jedi orders of compassion and not have, you know, have familial love and friendship love, but nothing of the romantic. But those are, you know, key parts of a human being. And when you didn't choose this for yourself, really, it's it's, you know, causes a lot of conflict and it's not a surprise that it causes a lot of these issues that, you know, seem to bubble up, not just with Anakin, but a lot of the other Jedi and some of the ones that, you know, left the order and things like that. Yeah, and I, I think that segues into an interesting point to talk about and there are a lot of real world parallels here, but when we're talking about organized religion and I think we can classify the Jedi order under the umbrella of organized religion, there's... At one point, does it become the dogma is more important than the deeds done? Mm -hmm. Like, the Jedi may preach compassion, but how is it at all compassionate to 
leave Anakin's mother in slavery, even though they have the ability to go back and at least put Anakin at ease. He may not be able to be with his mother anymore, but he could at least know that um, she's not a slave. Yeah. Is Does the Jedi Order show a problem where they're more worried about their internal dogma than doing good deeds? Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I really wanted to talk about that. I was raised Catholic, and it's so interesting. I'm sure, I, I mean, like, raise your hands if you were raised Catholic. <laughs> like, it sticks with you forever, and like, um, it's so interesting seeing the parallels between um, monastic life and the Jedi Order, and, um, and, and it's like difficult because there is this ideal version of both monastic life and obviously the fictional version of that, the Jedi, where you would have this pure lifestyle where you are supposedly only focused on your spirituality, only focused on doing good and caring for the world, but um, there is the you know emotional uh, f- like. Uh, flagellation almost like where you just uh, despise yourself for is this what my wife refers emotion? to as Catholic guilt <laughs> oh yeah yeah Catholic guilt is real man um, and it, so it's it's because I I kind of have this tortured um, not maybe tortured is too dramatic but I do find the Jedi Order fascinating because it reflects both the um, positives and negatives of what I was raised with and what I've seen people or heard people go through in terms of entering into monastic life. And I mean, rules rules are very important. I, I appreciate rules on a, on a deep level. Thank you, General. But those rules are keeping them from doing things that are are right. Uh, freeing Anakin's mother is the right thing to do. Um, you know, Obi, not Obi-Wan, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn points out that it's not their place. That's not, they aren't there to stop slavery. Slavery exists. It is what it is. You know, they can't stop all the evils in the world. And that is the true thing. Jedis can't stop all the evils in the world. But, you know, one of the interesting things about the dark side, and they don't follow those rules. And it isn't necessarily that they're all dark, but they just don't follow the same set of rules. They wouldn't have any problem freeing Anakin's mom. Anakin doesn't have a problem with it in the end. But would that benefit them? It doesn't, no. But if it was, well, who knows? There might have been a benefit if it gets them Anakin, it does. Yeah, true, true. Um, so, I, I'm going to open the can of worms here. Go for it. Let's talk... Mace Windu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, no. <laughs> um, Mace Windu is might be one of the most polarizing figures in the in the Jedi Order. Um, there are many who pin him as being the worst, the worst, and I think we should discuss whether or not that's fair. So let's look at Mace Windu. What do you? How do you feel he embodies? the Jedi Order, and is he emblematic of the problems with the Order of, uh, with the Order before they fell? Um, I actually suggested this topic because it's something that has really been bothering me in the last couple of years. So, Mace Windu was introduced into the prequels as supposedly 
this symbol of the Jedi Order, even though, but we're already, you know, we love and we're familiar with Yoda. And so obviously we're never going to see anything wrong with Yoda, even though Yoda is the definitive leader of the Jedi Order. Oh, we'll get to Yoda. And everyone, everyone defers to him, his decisions. Even at the end of a Jedi Council meeting where they've all presented their opinions, they'll be like, but Yoda, what do you think? And he'll say whatever um, cryptic thing he wants to say. And they'll just be like, all right, we'll, we'll do that then. So um, Mace was, I believe, trained by Yoda and was obviously his protege in terms of leadership within the Order. And so his decision making would have been deeply influenced by Yoda. And I just, <laughs> I would like everyone to take a minute to be like, hey, should I pin the only major black Jedi as the worst Jedi? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's probably a bad idea. So try to um, take a second to criticize maybe your beloved um, and, you know, old Yoda and, and look at how his decisions uh, severely affected the direction of the Order. So I'm here to defend Mace Windu. I, I feel like the thing with Mace is he believed so much in the Jedi that it started to blind him. Because, you know, if you if you listen to his lines in the prequels, he's always being like, oh, the Jedi would never do that. Oh, you know, the Jedi would have sensed that. Oh, we, like, we already know about that. We wouldn't do that. And so it's, like, that really hardline belief and not wanting to accept any other opinion or possibility, which is where it started to get dangerous. Yeah, and I think on some point, I mean, obviously the script gave him those lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he is, he. I am correct, he is the one that said that Count Dooku would never, yeah. he, Count mm -hmm. Dooku was too good of a person to ever he was, well, pull that. Well, because he was a Jedi. Right. And Jedi he told Padme that. to shut up, <laughs> basically. Then later turned around and said, okay, we need to go assassinate Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I really, I really like how you all point, how you all have kind of framed this. That Mace Windu really is a result of the dogma mm -hmm. of the Jedi Order. I think his story is kind of sad. It, like I, I agree. He believes so um, firmly in the Order, and he's also, I think, a major thing we need to talk about is the um, how ingrained the Order is with the Republic, and how their actions are limited by the decisions of the Republic. And just, as we know, the Republic is deeply corrupt by the time the prequels happen. And so it's as, I don't know, it's like... As much as they, as they would love to, I'm sure, um, help every single person they can, they are limited by what the Republic is willing to give them, and so that's a big problem. Like he, yeah, Mace was like, you know, Mace and Obi Wan are both like, I serve the Republic, I serve democracy, like before anything else. So, and that leads into the fact that because they are so ingrained with the Republic and so ingrained with the Senate and everything that they do that Palpatine was able to manipulate both systems at one time mm. because they're almost one and they're so intertwined because so, they're not they're not separate. So that brings up a question. How much of that is Yoda's fault? Cuz he's been around for so long, he would have ushered in this uh, connection and 
we don't really know exactly how that happened. Again, that's a huge void in canon right yeah. now, and I'd be fascinated to know what they would like to, how they would like to reshape that origin. Um, but Yoda would have absolutely been the facilitator of that merging of a independent sort of peace, like, um, um, yeah, like like a group of monks or something, into becoming like almost like the spec ops for <laughs> um, a, a democratic republic. And so, yeah, I think Yoda would have been very ingrained in that and would have um, created probably a lot of the policies or ways that they work together. Any other thoughts on Yoda? Want to oh, so throw him to the fire anymore? <laughs> well, he says a lot during the prequels. He just keeps saying the dark side's clouding everything. But and how... Yeah, it's it's kind of it seems like a a buying time answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's a possibility that could have played into it, but you you're Jedi, come on. Yeah, I mean, uh, t- uh, the Clone Wars um, that bonus Netflix season, mm. he seems to come to a realization there that he missed something big, but. He seemed to know before then that something was amiss, that the dark side was clouding things. Shouldn't that have been enough for him to say, okay, we as an order need to step back and not engage? Yeah, or at least be open to some new perspective or some new idea. Yeah, and stepping back would give you that perspective. And realize that you're open to manipulation when you're, you're clouded. Because if you can't see things clearly when you originally did, there's no way you're going to be able to make the correct judgments that you once, because of the things that you once relied on. And so you're open to a whole new set of, a whole bevy of things. And they never seem to realize that until it's entirely too late. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's like not, it's not only Palpatine's power, like he's not single-handedly oh, no. shutting down the sensitivities of every single Jedi. Um, I think it's just the environment that they are working within the as as we know like emotion or uh conflict of any kind just would shift the feeling of of the general force against the jedi um so just i think the context of the corruption of the republic is super important um to everything that happened i also think they got very complacent yes (laughs) yes yeah, complacency is is uh, you know as great of a danger as any of the cloudiness that I think that came about in the corruption. Mm-hmm. And I'll just yeah, and part of that is maintaining the status quo. That's always kind of like most of the arguments and conflicts they have in the prequels. It's all about oh we're just but you know even in in missions when Obi Wan and Anakin are arguing, you know Obi Wan's like that's not in our mandate, and then you know they end up investigating the whole Padme thing anyway. But, you know, this is the order we were given and we have to stick to it. And it's not really open to improvisation. And for for all the faults of the order uh, towards or near their fall, there were dissenters among their ranks. But these dissenters went to varying lengths to dissent. Uh, I know you all have favorites and folks you want to talk about as far as those who disagreed with what the Order as a whole was doing. So I'll go ahead and let you speak to those folks. I, Qui-Gon is my favorite. Um, because, you know, he was always he was always talking more about being mindful of the Force. And that's, for me, like what I believe with the Jedi is 
they should be flowing with the force. Like it's a constant source of information and energy and everything. And Qui-Gon seemed more in tune with that. And it still annoys me watching it now when he goes to the council and they just seem to shut him down immediately because of past conflict with him. You know, he's like, just test the boy. You can decide what to do with him. And they're like, nope, 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 we don't trust you on this. And it's like, well, he's one of your Jedi masters. Um, I personally am really interested in the um, lady masters of the Clone Wars era that express their opinions at various points. So I believe um, Depa Balaba expresses that. I think it was in the Kanan comic yeah. that she was talking to Caleb about how her discomfort with the direction, uh, the militaristic uh, direction of the Order, which I think was summing up. The problem, which is like, uh, we're too ingrained with the government, we're too ingrained with this war. Um, I think, if I'm remembering it right, Ayla Sakura says something about that to Ahsoka. Um, when they're trying to influence those um, pacifist, um, the pacifists to defend themselves. And then um, there's obviously Barris Afi, who goes to, I think, um, I think because of the emotional repression that she grew up with, she didn't know how to um, seek comfort or, uh, or vent her complaints in a constructive way, and so it all just literally exploded um, when she planted the bomb and framed a close friend of hers. So I think um, I'm interested in the... I'm interested in... Uh, the perspectives of, you know, like Depa and Ayla because they, I mean, it's difficult because they still did their duty and they didn't really change anything, but they, they knew that what was happening was wrong. And I, I find Barris to just be like a very sad story because, you know, she was just didn't know how to talk about her feelings. Same as Anakin. Jedi that don't know how to talk <laughs> about their feelings? What? What? So, yeah. And I, I mean, for me, there's obviously Ahsoka who yes. just walks yeah, down the one. steps at the end of season five and she sees all of the sins of this order that has meant everything to her laid bare. And she knows that all she can do at that point, she can't change them. All she can do is walk away and no longer be a part of it herself. That, and we'll, we'll go back to the organized religion thing a bit. I mean, as someone who walked away from organized religion, I watched that and I cried because it, it hit me on this emotional resonance that was so real and so painful. And yeah, sometimes when, sometimes when you're as entrenched as the Jedi Order was, all you can do is leave it. Yeah, it's so hard to reform. And, yeah, it, it does really kind of feel like that, because it's like, they're like, it could be so easy if all you could do is just accept all of the slights that we made against you. It could be so easy. You could come back to us. And she's like, no, I have to face the truth. So, yeah. So let's talk about the Jedi Order and their inability to learn from the past. Yeah. And I, I know someone added this to the, uh, to, to the notes here. I'm looking over at General Hugs. <laughs> and I'm about to cede the floor to General Hugs. Well, I mean, Luke was right about a few things. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting. So they, they, 
they really struggled to learn. They did struggle to learn from the past. I think, I think Luke was right in the Last Jedi when he said that the Jedi need that Jedi need to die. Um, and while he did say at the end of the movie that he will not be the last Jedi, I think that Rey and whatever Rey creates in her image is not going to be the same thing that was around when, you know, you know, Anakin was around when that came from that and whatever, you know, the books teach her. I don't think it'll be anything like what Luke had to learn from them and what Anakin learned. I think it'll be something entirely new and I think it'll be something that is away from the dogma and something fresh and bright and and something free and I'm, I'm I'm very like excited to see what's going to come from this because I think it's been as as Kylo said <laughs> let the past die <laughs> kill it if you must <laughs> because I think sometimes you have to let go of of things that are so old because what the Jedi taught about love and compassion and trying to help people and using your force for good and not evil those are important and very very good things that need to be carried forward by force users but the things that were bad by the dogma and the the things that were entrenched by it they, those things have to be let go and I think she's going to be create create something that's new because they hadn't learned from it and it was clear that Luke when he had started his school obviously he hadn't learned from it either and I think he acknowledges that and I think that's why he ended up having to run away from it after everything that happened with Kylo and him killing all the younglings. Love how this family just, I know, it's like, just keeps doing the same thing over <laughs> and, and over I'm, again. I, even though Rey is not part of the family, she had been adopted by Han in a way, and she had been adopted by Luke in a way, and adopted by Leia. Leia. And so she is part of that family, even though she is not of blood. And she is. I think she's going to be the one to break the cycle and create something entirely new. I think Luke really was trying, you know, because he had that bit of teaching from Obi-Wan and Yoda, so he went in that direction of trying to recreate whatever they had, even though he was missing a lot of pieces instead of making his own thing. So let's just ask the question then. Luke's evaluation of the Jedi Order in The Last Jedi, was he right? I think, um, I think he, I mean, it's a very, very brief and very, uh, you know, damning statement and doesn't uh, speak to the nuance of what happened. Obviously, he wasn't there when all of these things happened. He only is learning about them from, you know, fragmented history and probably having to wade through a bunch of imperial propaganda to figure out actually how all of this thing how all of these things happened. So he can't know about the the struggles and the dissenters and the um, all the I don't know, all the difficulty that happened. So I think from his perspective and from what he was able to learn about the fall of the Jedi Order, he was probably right. But I mean, I can't fully agree that he was right because I don't know. It's just so complicated. I just, I mean, I just want to take a second, like the George Lucas set up the Jedi as this perfect, as these perfect people in the original trilogy and then had the guts to go back to the prequels and be like, Hey, I'm actually going to show you how they suck. And like, he, he was willing to do that. Like, even though everyone embraced them as these perfect role models, as this, as this thing to aspire to. And he wanted to be like, Hey, we should actually break down this, uh, 
force that we see as pure good. So, anyway. <laughs> History is written by the victors. Sorry, General. I don't know if this is going to go well for you by the end of nine. <laughs> yeah, well, we thought the Empire was gone, and look what happened. <laughs> they went they to showed space. up. They went to space, Portugal. I know, and then I came back. <laughs> yeah, um, it's always a hard thing. I think it's his perspective, and I think, you know, from I think if it's what he, I mean, in Jen, if it's what he truly believes, I I would agree with him. I mean, it, I I would have some. I would I would argue with him on it, but it's what he genuinely felt and I think he had a lot of right to feel that mm-hmm. after and I, I think he had a lot of anger and I mean he was left with no I mean he had no teachers and it caused disaster and I think he has a lot of internalized anger over it and I can see where it came I mean anger anger caused the downfall of the original Jedi it caused the downfall here mm-hmm. and you know who knows what's gonna happen now and I think, yeah, I, I think that he has, he, he may not be completely right, but I think he makes some very good points. He had some rightful resentment of Yoda, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Yoda told him so little and withheld so much and, and honestly kind of was using him to... Well, both both reach, him both and Both him and ben. Obi-Wan were using him towards this aim of killing Darth Vader. So I think he had some rightful resentment of that. Also, it's so much easier to look back at something and especially if you weren't a part of it and come up with a reason why it didn't work it's so much harder to see things from the inside well especially while it's going on Mm -hmm. um so you know when you boil it down to the basics they did they let all that happen um and and so i agree with him it you know saying the jedi need to die is is very dramatic uh (laughs) But in a way, I think philosophically they need a rebirth. And as Lindsay was saying, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where Ray takes it. And, and, Sorry. and just real quick, and something that I thought coming out of the movie, like we, we are very tied to these titles of Sith and Jedi, yeah. but you can be a good force user and not be a Jedi. Like we can have the Jedi die and have force users who are Jedis. Who just don't use the term. And he, he says that so much in his first lesson yeah. to Ray. So, I mean, basically, I mean, he says she, she's he will not be the last Jedi. So, I guess he's going back a little bit on what he's saying. But, I mean, basically, that's what it is. I mean, because Kylo's not a Sith. He's just a nasty Force user. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because so, he hasn't well, Also, that. Disney is not going to let the word Jedi go away. Yeah, yeah. that is well, way too marketable yeah, to let yeah. go away. Trademark, 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 yeah. ching, also, ching, ching, ching. I think Rebels, like... Ex- explored that beautifully like yeah. Kanan and Ezra going their Ugh. own way with being their own types of Jedi and something that was touched on in the Rebels panel I don't know um, how many of you were here but how Kanan was able to approach love and attachment and like a I, we, we don't know for sure if it was a marriage I mean, but um, pretty much <laughs> uh, in a way that was still they were married they were married I mean come on um in a way that he was still was not he was not selfishly possessing her he understood the importance i don't like i don't he was able to approach attachment the right way and so i think the story of rebels is super important so to show where jedi should go I, i'm wondering if luke, luke was i'm 
we seem to be at a consensus here that Luke was both right and wrong in his evaluation. But I'm wondering if we distill it down, what he's saying is, and we'll come back to this again, it was time for the the dogma of the Jedi Order to end and to be replaced Mm. and to just bring the core teachings back to the fore. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to open it up for questions here. Uh, There's a microphone in the center of the room. I will remind you all that questions consist of one or two sentences and end in a question mark. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. Is it working? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, One, I wanted you to comment about one bit of arrogance that shows up that I think Luke probably rejected is that the Jedi never even thought about sitting out the Clone Wars. It just, it never even entered their minds that maybe they should be neutral on it. And uh, Luke maybe saw that too. And his Jedi order, he maybe he thought he was doing something new because the Jedi were not, his Jedi was, order was not working for the government. And the visual dictionary says his Jedi temple was a secret location. And of course, it still went south. So what are your comments about the Jedi? What would have happened if they'd actually okay. said, this is the wrong war, we should sit out? So yeah, this is, a, this is fascinating. Were the Jedi in the wrong for tying themselves so heavily to really only the citizens of the Republic? Absolutely. Um, I think that that was their problem is that they had become so unquestioningly uh, loyal to this institution despite its flaws and they just had no other way of thinking about it because they, they received so many of their orders from the Senate. They received so many of their orders from the Chancellor that like they had difficulty conceiving of anything else. <laughs> the Clone Wars also, like it just took off so quickly. It was like, the you know, the Senate was trying to raise an army. And then all of a sudden, one conveniently appeared. And, and, and you know. Of slaves mysteriously appear again. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah, and, and and no one really gave it pause. They just were like, oh, we have the resources and we know more about, you know, they're dealing with Dooku and everything. We know more about him than they do, so we will just take a man and go. And it just was like a, a rolling force and and they just got swept up in it. Yeah, it would have been very interesting if they could have, you know, after they got involved, if they could have pulled themselves back um, because they did get involved so quickly. Had but I mean, they tried. Yeah, Had I they mean, really wanted to. Because they found out about it. And yeah. they, I mean, they're, they're talking about a, a Jedi that had died 10 years ago, that it, they, no one knew about it. I mean, there are all these, like, warning signs. But it, it is easy to vilify Jedi from an outside perspective, all the people who are under the Trade Federation, everything, when you see these people who are only defending a certain section of people, because they are not the Jedi for everyone, they're the Jedi for a certain people. Defined by As just s- arbitrary geopolitical yeah. lines. Yeah. And, and that's, I, they, I don't think they ever meant to fall into that, but they had fallen into that at that point. So I think sitting out would have helped, or finding a way to create a, th- a third faction. <laughs> oh, that's a horrible idea, but... Let's just start a third part in the war. Yeah, three, 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 well, three people in the war. Vote Mace Windu for Green Party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, no, Purple Party. It's the Purple Party. Yeah, it kind of did exist with Mandalore. Yeah. And- I, well, as, as someone who also deeply, deeply loves Satine, uh, we all know how well that went for uh, Satine on uh, Mandalore. Yeah. But she tried. A little not so great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. 
Okay, sorry to be the one to bring up Legends, but I've been rereading. No, no Fate bring of up the, Legends up I've here. been rereading Fate of the Jedi lately, which deals a lot with the arrogance of the Jedi and like how they just go into bars and cut people's arms off and never like even try have to like stand trial for things. And also like something that bothers me is. Luke's treatment of Alima Rar and how he was surprised she turned to the dark side. And what are y'all thoughts I mean, if, on? If we're talking about Legends uh, Jedi Order here, let's talk about Crucible and how Luke wants to eject a young boy out of the Order just because he's a little angry. And Corrin freaking Horn, of all people, is the voice of reason. Yeah, the, the Jedi Order and Legends got a little weird. That's wild. Well, I mean, even, I mean, talking about, like, going into bars and cutting off people's arms, you can look at, you know, Attack of the Clones and them going into the bar and, you know, cutting off people's arms <laughs> and then Anakin being like it's Jedi business don't go, pay go attention back to your drink. like that's oh, the, okay that makes it a little better <laughs> don't yeah, even call it, the police yeah exactly I mean because they just go oh it's Jedi they do whatever they want they've got lightsabers like oh like it's the exact same thing and he, it, we don't talk about it but I mean the fact that they have these force powers that can manipulate people's mind they say that they use it for good but like the fact that there are these people wandering around who can mess with your mind <laughs> you, ugh. I mean Dala kind exactly. of gets into that how she, they're like, oh, we know that they were right because they have the force yeah. and they did what the force told them to. And she's like, but there's a dark side. And also, too bad the force can't stand, like, take the witness stand. Yeah. I mean, uh, you want to talk about arrogance at certain points. They are paramilitary with superpowers. Exactly. And yes. answer to no one. Thank you. Uh, next question. Um, so I was wondering, um, we know that going forward, Ray is someone who does very well at t being self-taught, and she's not someone who has to deal with a lot of self-doubt. So what do you think her major stumbling blocks will possibly be when she starts carrying through a new Jedi Order, or whatever you want to call it? My panelists are excited for p folks listening to this on so the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I think for Ray, um, she will charge ahead. And, you know, actually, if you pay attention to Ray, she's not so great at listening to other people's ideas. <laughs> um, so so if there's a if there's collaboration, I think that might be part of her hang up. But um, I think she will go charging in and I think she will hit points while she'll be like, wait, did I just run in the wrong direction for, you know, however long? Um, I'm hoping she's learned from um, a certain situation um, with Kylo. <laughs> Just because showing compassion is a very, very good thing with a Jedi, and I think she needs to show compassion to whoever she's teaching. But showing too much compassion can cause you not to see the warning signs before it's too late. And Let she was able to run you over. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. She was able to recognize it and get herself out before it was too late. But she, I'm hoping that she will be able to see that and stop before it becomes almost too late mm -hmm. with another person yeah, or I, maybe be able to find another way to deal with that and maybe shift things in a better way. I, I'm really hoping that her slamming the door or the Falcon's door on Kylo's face during force time was... Force time. It was so beautiful. Proof of that. <laughs> I think there's a strong possibility of her falling into um, the Jedi... Her new Jedi Order being aligned with... Uh, whatever government or whatever happens of the resistance because I think she almost identifies more with being a resistance fighter than being a Jedi. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think there's a strong... I think she would need to figure out 
how those need to separate and how the Jedi can't be um, loyal to a political group. Yeah. They have to be loyal to their own ideals. So I think that's a possible issue for her. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Ray. Ray is a lot like Luke in a way, and where she is an idealist yeah. to her core, and perhaps the lack of pragmatism could be a problem for her. Thank you. Uh, next question. Um, can we talk about what an epic, criffing jack wagon Obi Wan Kenobi is? I mean, oh, no, no, no. Hear Obi. me out. He, hear, no, no, no. Hear me out. Hear There's me out. There's an Obi Wan behind you that is yeah, very <laughs> sad right now. You suck. Okay, so listen. No, so he he ignores Anakin's prophetic dreams. He's in a place to help him with Padme because he flat out tells Satine he would have left the order for her, for her, but he does nothing. He fakes his own death in front of Anakin because he thinks his emotional like despair would be useful. He does nothing when he's on the council and pretty much the Padawan that's part his gets accused of a bullcrap crime. He follows like Padme to Mustafar, completely screws that up, like dismembers his best friend, leaves him to burn to death, steals his children, and then d basically, you know, he is the Palpatine of the original trilogy because he does to Luke. Oh. No, he does to Luke exactly what Palpatine did to Anakin. No, no, no. He lies and he lies to him, manipulates an innocent Skywalker kid, and trains him to be his weapon okay. because he's too much of a, oh you know, I can't say loath cat because I can't say the yeah. p word. Um, to do the job himself, and then he tries to pull this from a certain point of view. Crap. This guy is the biggest villain in the trilogy. Oh. So like, why does everybody? think he's okay. this paragon of goodness. Okay. Wow. On the okay. next Arrested Development. <laughs> Let's take a deep breath. Okay. Um, I think... I think uh, similar. I think we t spoke about something similar to this with Mace Windu. Uh, Obi Wan is yeah. deeply a product mm -hmm. of the time when he was trained, and um, who his mentors were. I think he. I mean, he loved Qui Gon, but I think he um, wanted to emulate um, Yoda more so. I think he. Was he a company man. Yeah. 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 He's 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 deeply loyal to the Republic. Well, he's deeply loyal to. I, I don't know rules. if I describe him as a company man, but. <laughs> Yeah. And this gets back to how insular the Jedi Order is. Mm. These Jedi that are born and raised with them, they do not, they do not have experiences outside of the Order. I know how that feels like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure Finn does, too. Mm. Nice going, General. Mm. That's, that's why they're so scary, though, because, like, even with somebody like Palpatine, he's got a red lightsaber, and he's taking, you know, the name Darth and this, that, and the other. Obi-Wan Kenobi generally, like, he genuinely believes his own crap. He genuinely believes well, he's good, and it's terrifying. I, I, I sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh. Um, you know, I, I, I think I will say that Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, I, I don't... I've always debated if he knew that he was going to die on the first Death Star and all of that. But I do think that he... I think it was a mistake not to explain the situation better to Luke about his father. I understand why he didn't. Yeah, because Luke would have kicked his butt. <laughs> but, yeah. you know... Uh, no, well, Luke said, screw you, I'm not going to kill it's, my dad for you. Yeah, oh... I, I agree with you, though, that Obi-Wan is very much a product of A really of interesting... His but he's like, hey, I'm going to manipulate you into killing your own dad because I was too much of a chicken to do it myself. I mean, <laughs> seriously? His dad was well, a bad person, and his dad... Yeah, yeah. But, 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 okay. his, but his dad needed okay. his dad needed to go. Okay, we're, we're going to move on to the uh, next question. Thank you. You all telling me I have to follow that up? Okay. <laughs> all right, so um, 
one of the scenes that's really, really funny to us is that scene where the guy goes, you want to buy a death stick? And like tells him no. Like we laugh at that. But if you think about it, what he's doing is manipulating the local economy. <laughs> and that leads to my question. So we're, where, we're, we're where accusing, does the Jedi money come from? So we're accusing Obi-Wan of insider trading here. Wow. I didn't think oh. our panel would go here. I think Jedi business. Yeah, Jedi, Jedi business. business. No, there he, we go. It's Jedi business. I see. It is yes, Jedi right. business. Thank you. Oh, so, <laughs> Next question. Thanks. Yeah. No, but I mean, but you're right. Like that, that was none of his business. And mm-hmm. yeah, he could have just said, I don't want one. Thanks. He doesn't need to impose his morality on other yeah, people. He just exactly. wanted to have a quiet drink. He just so I had another question, but I was going to, I'll just continue on the Obi-Wan hating. <laughs> I'm kidding. Welcome As, to the Obi-Wan haters panel. <laughs> we're going to take it off Obi-Wan. You guys don't need question. this. You guys don't need this context. But for anybody that didn't sit in on the Rebels panel last hour, Henry Gilroy, one of the executive producers, talked about the Inquisitors specifically and said that the idea behind them was that these were obviously Jedi, as we know, but they were targeted Jedi that Palpatine had in his crosshairs. They exhibited, uh, you know, overt aggression, all these things that the Jedi don't like. Um, My question to you guys is, with that in mind, and we see one of them, the Tenth Brother, in the Mace Windu comic, is this a function of a flaw in the Jedi Order structure, or is it a byproduct of their distraction by fighting the Clone Wars and getting strung out? Did Palpatine also raise a lot of them from birth as well, like uh, with the, the stealing of infants in the Clone Wars? I don't I th- know about any. I of think these. there was a subplot in Rebels that might yeah, have they, been. Um, Seven sister was trying to steal um, children, and Ahsoka stopped her. Right. Yeah, they were trying it. I don't know that any of the Inquisitors that we've seen so far have that. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that the fact that you could tell so obviously that people were suffering or that people were having difficulties, um, and that he knew that they could be so easily, not maybe not easily, but they could be turned because no one seemed to care about their difficulties or about the things that they were going through is absolutely a flaw of the order. And I think I mentioned like the, the therapy thing earlier, like for real though, like they, they need to have like There's no system. individual yeah. counseling of, for everyone and like not just being chastised in front of the council. And uh, you would think that that would happen through um, the Padawan master uh, relationship to an extent, but we see, I think in the Clone Wars a bit, that the ideal master Padawan relationship is actually kind of distant. Because uh, Luminara and Barris are actually the ones who are like, hey, this is how masters and Padawans are supposed to be. Whereas Anakin and her circle are like, no, we're super emotional and we're super <laughs> attached to each other. We don't care. So, yeah, they just don't take that into consideration. And well, if you, uh, go ahead. Everything, everything that seems vaguely dark side, it's just, it's like a hard line rejection. Of it's it. like the concept and, of sin, but there's like you know, I know not not every not all the Jedi are human, but like as human emotions, you can't say I'm going to be a Jedi and I'm never going to be angry. It's how you deal with that anger, mm-hmm. and and there's no system in place for dealing with that. And if you look at the the sisters and or sister and brother of the Inquisitors, like a lot of them are incredibly close, and when they like die or something happens to them, they have very extreme reactions to it, and they seem like they've grown up in a communal system and a communal like thing like the Jedi, but they 
well, they do bicker and things because they're, you know, evil and all of that. <laughs> but I mean, they do seem very close and have, you know, much more emotional attachment to each other and are much more able to express emotion on a, a um, horizontal level as opposed to master apprentice or like, you know, on much more friendship level. And it seems very deep. And I think that that's something that he tapped into and being like, okay, you're angry. I'm going to let you have, you know, real emotional connections with people and sure you'll, and you can do things that you weren't, you're not going to be allowed to do. And, and I think that people. you get a helicopter lightsaber. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that doesn't, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't make sense. It's like super cool. It's cool, guys. Let it go. It's, it's cool. It's a good way to, <laughs> good way to get someone on yeah, side, look up though, tv tropes rule of cool you'll find yeah. it there. And, a, and a helmet you can't see out of <laughs> next question well i did not come here to dunk on my sweet sweet boy obi-wan oh. um, we love you uh, but what i did uh, wonder was it's not the contributing factor but perhaps a small part of it might be the republic's infallible trust in the Jedi. Mm. The Jedi are immediately decided to be perfect generals when they themselves say they are keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Yeah. And even the clones are, until a chip in their head tells them otherwise, very, very loyal in the case of, say, Pong Krell. Mm. And so could that infallible trust the Republic had in most of the Jedi, and there, there are instances where, oh, how can we trust a Jedi? But those are exceptions, not the rule in storytelling. I don't know. I think it kind of goes both ways. Uh, the Jedi thinking that the Republic's infallible and the Republic thinking the Jedi are infallible. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's I, I never can pronounce the German word, so I'm not going to try it, but it's the whole snake eating its own tail. It's the fact that they're, thank you. It's it's the fact that they are so trusting of each other that there's no way, it's it's so easy to be. Um, I think they're formed by each other. Yeah, and that way it's so easy to break. For sure. And it's almost like, uh, because the Jedi present themselves as this deeply spiritual, idealistic group, um, they can be viewed that way. And, and they're so internal that people don't know about the difficulties that they have. And so, yeah, they're viewed in this very perfect way. And so they're trusted to do anything. Uh, next question. So the Force often is uh, seen or talked about as usually used by the Jedi. Yes, the Dark Side can use the Force. But um, like you talked about, there's a concept of um, light side good, dark side bad, whereas the force, as it's explained from my understanding, is that it's not good or bad, it is a thing that exists. And you see it constantly trying to balance itself out. And so you, we're talking about, um, as we see through uh, episode eight, um, you, you get into the point where um, there's Kylo Ren, very strong dark side, and Ray Hughes innately very strong, um, but the the military of the rebels is destroyed. There's essentially, other than maybe some help down the road, but, <laughs> but uh, good, uh, excellent yeah. tactics. Nice decloaking. <laughs> but I know this is wild speculation, but do you see the force doing what it needs to do through whoever to balance this out? Or, I mean, I don't know what Disney will do. This goes into some legends, I think, with the conception of Anakin and like the prophecy of the Chosen One, which I think is yet to be somewhat clarified. Um, and and the Force is having its own will. Um, so the idea was that 
the that Darth Plagueis was too powerful, and so the Force was like, I'm gonna make my own little hero to to fight him. And so, <laughs> um, but that was in Legends. So I I'm awaiting some clarification about the the will of the Force. Well, it's interesting in way. too because you know the Jedi in the prequels were you know the Sith are wiped out. But they also had, you know, were aware of this prophecy, someone's going to bring balance. So they had to think they weren't in balance on some level there for that to work out. And I, if they thought, you know, they were these beacons of light and they were weighing so heavily on their side and there was no opposition, what did they think the balance was going to do? <laughs> exactly. And I mean, well, and also the fact that, you know, Luke... Luke kills, you know, Luke and Anakin, Darth Vader, kill Palpatine, Pal Anakin dies, Luke is left, and he's the only Jedi, Leia has force powers, but they're really the only ones that exist at, the at that time that we know of. But that's not balance, like, that's just good, good force existing. <laughs> and to me, like, the force is, you know, you know, it balances even somehow. Yeah. And so it's very interesting, so obviously, like, there's gotta be some, balance somewhere and I, th I think that we are still on that story of trying to find a balance somewhere and I think not it is not a thing though I wish it was but you know gray gray is a thing <laughs> I the Bendu the I Bendu and Rebels and the Bendu is, yeah. is the closest thing we have to gray at the well, moment I, I, I can't remember who I originally saw this from there was some think piece a while ago but someone posited that balance isn't necessarily equal numbers on each side yeah. or gray versus black versus white but balance is peace and harmony well, and also balance within each individual yeah. I think too yeah. yeah so essentially the force could have been unbalanced because the Jedi in their arrogance had gone away from doing whatever they could to seek out and promote peace and harmony for the galaxy as a whole mm. thanks next question and we're going to go through these last few as fast as we can okay. here. Okay. Um, my question is, it seems to me that the one of the main issues with uh, the Jedi Order is that, <laughs> is that um, they are very restrictive to the point of it's not completely impossible to make your own choices, but they try to make it not do that as much as possible. You mentioned early, earlier Kanan, but I think Ahsoka as well are kind of more of an example of what a Jedi is supposed to be. But that level of restriction of saying you have to do it within a certain way, I understand reading with Yoda that he actually was like an adult before he joined the Order. So there was some breakdown at some point where a level of freedom was lost. And I wanted to know if you either had opinions on that or had an opinion on what was the specific thing that you thought was the biggest downfall of the Jedi Order specifically. I definitely think the decision-making thing is uh, plays into it big because um, the other day at the Iconic Characters panel, E.K. Johnston was talking about writing Ahsoka and that in her book, you know, Ahsoka has, away from the Jedi Order, she's on her own and she can't defer to anybody else. So it's like her first time she's really making major decisions all on her own and that's kind of like a good skill to have and and i think that you know we see a lot in the prequel that anakin wants to make calls make decisions and they're like no you just have to keep following the orders and and i think it goes back to the improvisation thing i said earlier sometimes circumstances change and you have to figure out the best route forward 
Yeah, and I mean, taking taking choices away, I mean, there is a reason that the First Order chose the Jedi's way of doing things as their model for making... That is why Brendel Hawks's dad used it for the Stormtrooper program, because it was so good at creating little, you know, little soldiers, and that's what the Jedi, you know, these new Jedi were in their dog you know in their group it created good dogma and that's what they used it for and it, it did take choice away from them it's almost like a almost like an x-men or like avengers type question should these powerful beings be governed under some sort of united idea or some sort of united force or should they be allowed to go about in the world and use their powers however they want to so um i think that's the big question of like whether like rules should be placed or an organization should be placed upon these powerful individuals and um how much decision they should be allowed to have so petition for the jedi to sign the sokovia accord (laughs) Uh, Next question. All right, that's actually a perfect lead into my question. I was just kind of wondering if we could, like, tease out the relationship between, like, corruption and the Republic and kind of, like, this increase in doctrinarianism and doctrinarianism and, like, an asceticism in the Jedi Order, right? So is is there, like, some tendency in the Jedi to, like, withdraw into doctrine and asceticism as corruption becomes more and more prevalent in the Republic? I think... um I almost want to draw a parallel to um, like medieval or Renaissance, uh, the Catholic Church, where um, sin was so uh, you know deeply focused upon, where that was the most important thing for you to be regulating these particular parts of your life, while um, people could be not necessarily paying attention to uh, how much power that this institution had. So I think dogma is, that we see throughout history that dogma or forcing people to focus on these, on these extremely uh, specific parts of themselves or of their organization instead of looking at the big picture allows people to um, you know keep their heads down and stay um, complacent yeah and I, I mean we know it's been going it was going on for at least 10 years because of of the the creation of the clone the clone army and the fact that it's been that deeply seated is I mean Palpatine was playing the long game. Yeah. Well, when things get crazy, you stick to what you know. Yeah, exactly. But it would be really interesting to go back, you know, 10 years and go and kind of see the very early starts of where that started to pull. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have time for maybe two more questions. We'll go really quick here. Okay, well, my first four questions have already been answered. So. <laughs> Great. It got me to thinking about, though, while I was standing here trying to come up with another question, how I forgot if it was uh, right, right at Attack of Clones, but even the Jedi, even Mace Windu, or maybe it was Obi-Wan, was like, you know, we're not seeing very clearly. Maybe we should let the Republic know that things are clouded. And they Mace were like, did say that. Mm-hmm. no, 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 we can't do that. Yeah. Uh, then they'll lose confidence in us. And so they were so caught up in yeah. the arrogance that they were Jedi. They were infallible. Right. That do you think that Absolutely. led to a lot of their downfall? Oh, totally. Something we mentioned earlier with the, you know, deep uh, connection between the Republic and the Jedi and their, like, uh, unfailing trust in the Jedi to do whatever um, was the Jedi's image that they presented to the Republic that they presented to the Senate that we are these perfect idealistic peacekeepers and so they couldn't possibly let that image be tarnished by this institution that gives them power so yeah for okay sure. uh, last question um, so do you think that if the Jedi Order 
had taught that it was okay to have like emotions and like love in like the romantic kind of way, Anakin would have turned, still turned to the dark side if they had taught them how to like work Ooh, with that. That is a great question. I, also, I love that question so much. Please come up here. I have a poster for you. <laughs> Seriously, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think Anakin's. The, Anakin's two main vices are his attachment to people, his emotions for other people, and his lust for power. So I think even if he was allowed to stay attached to and to care for the people he loved, I think he would still have this difficulty with a lust for power. So I don't know if he would have quite fallen to the dark side. He wouldn't have had the push of his loved ones, but he would have still struggled with power and anger. So. I think he wouldn't have been as easy to manipulate. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm optimistic. <laughs> and uh, I'll say on that one, um, I think I think there's a mirror, or there's sort of a related thread on the topic of toxic masculinity in the way that Anakin was raised, mm-hmm. and that teaching teaching people, especially young men, to repress their feelings so much, to be taught to not talk about how they are hurting is a recipe for creating just broken individuals who will lash out. I think he struggles with elements of toxic masculinity in his relationship to Padme and and his possession to her and his distrust that she would be able to take care of herself or to be healthy on her own. Um, So I think, yeah, he struggles a lot with that. I mean, his mom mom ended up being pretty happy after she got got away and had a good family and and it can probably would have been happy there. Yeah. Okay. That is unfortunately all the time we have. Thank you all for coming out so much. Okay. We have some uh, giveaways to do real quick.